At Rockland Trust, each relationship matters, and we know that your relationship with money may be complicated and may need some extra love and attention. But where do you start? I'm Julie Beckham, the Financial Education Officer at Rockland Trust, and this is the No Shame in This Money Game podcast. What you should have done and could have done, didn't know and should have known, doesn't matter anymore. There's no use spending one more minute blaming or shaming yourself. Because really, with everything going on in the world right now, you don't have time to get down on yourself. And you don't deserve it. We're all in this together, starting now. And like I said, there's no shame in this money game. Well, I am so excited to have Jackie Cooper here today. This is really exciting because we're going to kind of dissect what it means to be a financial educator, a financial counselor, a financial coach. And Jackie seems to have a lot of experience in all of this. First of all, Jackie, when I look you up, it says Jackie Cooper, MCP, AFC, FFC, OMG. What do all those things mean? (laughs) Hi, Julie. I just have a lot of stuff. So let's, let's go down the list. My MCP is master in city planning. That's my master's degree in housing community and economic development. Um, I attended grad school at MIT as a grown-up and got that those three initials from there. Then I'm an accredited financial counselor with the Association of Financial Counseling, Planning, and Education. A couple of years ago, I don't even think it's a couple. I think last year, I got my FFC, which is a financial fitness coach, which means in addition to being a counselor, I'm a coach. And I learned a different skill set in order to support um, people with their financial issues. And that's what that designation is. And of course, I have many more designations, but these are the ones that are pertinent for today. Now, you're uh, the executive director of Financial Education Associates Incorporated, which provides high-quality financial education seminars and home buying and ownership courses. How did you get started in all this? You said you, as a grown-up you went to MIT. So what was your, what was your impetus to get started into this, in this field? My friend, who still works with me in, the, in my company, was working for someone who who had a contract with the city of Boston for home ownership education. And up until that point, I helped, I purchased a home and I had helped all of my friends buy a home. And she said, do you want to do this? She needs somebody. And I was like, what? They have a job doing this? <laughs> so this was before I even went to grad school. I think I got accepted because I was doing this. So for maybe three years before I applied to grad school, I was a home buyer educator, which meant that I taught first time home buyer classes, eight hour classes over two or four sessions to help people buy the first home. The certificate helped them get affordable mortgage products like mass housing, mass housing partners, one mortgage and down payment assistance around the state. And so it was good. So that's what, how I got started in doing it. 
Then I applied to grad school, and part of the grad school requirement required me to work at a community development corporation, or a CDC. So I worked at Madison Park doing two things, workforce development for the first year, and then Madison Park was developing a home ownership opportunity. So I got in on the ground floor of building affordable housing for home ownership and learned how to, you know, find the funds, rally the money together, get the community support. So I was able to do home ownership from two angles, not just on the consumer side, getting them ready, but also from the developer side to see how these things were developed. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, I went to grad school. Anybody that knows me that knows that I do too many things at one time. (laughs) So I'm working, I'm going to grad school. I have a high school student trying to go to college. I, you know, a lot going on. Well, they say if you need something done, ask a busy person. So that's probably a good a good attribute. As a financial educator, what is the importance of of having access to buying a house? It's important to have access for even for the choice. We live in a high cost area where moderate income people it's difficult, first of all, to come up with 20%. So there's a lot of products that allow you to come up with three. Home ownership has become part of the fabric of the American dream, but saving 20% for a down payment on a home that might hover in the half-million-dollar range can feel more like the American nightmare. Frankly, it can feel insurmountable, and if you don't come from generational wealth, it can really feel out of reach. Luckily, MassHousing.com can help. And even if you think you might not qualify for assistance, think again. For example, if you're a first-time homebuyer who is looking for a house in Quincy and make under $153,900 a year, you may qualify. Be sure to check out Mass Housing Products and Services at MassHousing.com. So that alone helps people get a foot in the door. The next thing is... It's just an important thing for home ownership because it allows you to stay in a community or move to a community, whichever circumstance you find yourself in. In the community where I grew up, at first nobody wanted to stay and now everybody wants to come back. I stayed in the city, but I also realized that a lot of people left and now the people that are here, they want to stay. And just having the opportunity to have the first time homebuyer classes. First of all, educates everyone on the process and gives them access to the low down payment mortgages. It gives them access to down payment assistance. And so that's where what I do all comes together. It just gives people an opportunity where waiting to say about 20 percent in a high cost area is a high probability it would not happen at all for you. When do you feel that you can use these skills of being a financial coach, a counselor, and we've had on the show before a financial advisor? How are the approaches differently and how would one know who to approach if they're looking for this kind of coaching, counseling, or advising? People who need coaching, they're people that are trying to make a decision. Counselors for people who really need both the education and the coaching. I guess that's it. And 
as a counselor, I more give people something to do than they are self-directed in what they choose to do next. So counselors are working with people who need help now for the most part. Coaches are for people that I've been thinking, what should I do? I guess that's the best way that I can describe it. Like one person, I need help now, and they need education, they need direction, they need a task list. But there's other people that says, gee, I was thinking, what should I do next? We share three of the same initials, AFC. I'm also an accredited financial counselor, and I know that AFCP is offering free financial counseling for those in need during this COVID-19 crisis. Yes, because right now there are a lot of people that need help. There are people that lost jobs. There are people that are on reduced income because unemployment does not pay the same thing that your regular job. Some jobs are going away. They need some support in retraining, job search, those types of things. As a financial counselor, you can support someone as they call their creditors. What do I say? Let's do a budget. What does it look like? How much do you have? How much do you need? During this unprecedented time, many individuals and families are struggling with financial uncertainty. Whether you have been laid off, have taken a pay cut, or simply are worried about the future, the Association for Financial Counseling Professional Education, AFCPE, is offering free virtual financial coaching to ensure that you don't have to navigate this alone. Go to afcpe.org for more information. So... In this, you know, you've been in the financial education world for a long time. and A long time. And you've seen a lot. After all of these years, we feel like things change in a lot of years. But what has stayed the same? What do you think that it's, what's the one thing that people still don't understand? The biggest thing I feel that people do not understand is the impact of small actions. The decision to set up automatic deductions for your savings and retirement. All you got to do is fill out a paper and the money comes out. Have you ever heard of paying yourself first? It's kind of a thing. In fact, there's an entire organization that has invented a week called americasavesweek.org that promotes ways to pay yourself first, from automatic withdrawals for retirement accounts and savings accounts, to setting up different accounts to pay for things like a car, a house, or an emergency fund. Like Jackie says, set it and forget it. But if you never fill out the paper, the money doesn't come out. You're looking at your bills or having fun. Eh, I'll let this bill slide till next month. Well, that's sitting there for seven years on your credit report that you're 30 days late. Payments made or not made, as the case may be, account for 35% of your credit score. So even if you have a long credit history with lots of different types of credit to your name, if you don't pay your bills on time, your credit score will suffer. If you don't have the money, call the lender. If you do have the money, pay the bill. Those are the small decisions that I see. And people are expecting wealth accumulation to just like pop out of the sky where you can just kind of like almost set it and forget it with, you know, automatic deduction, small action, 
all these small actions can add up to big wins. And you don't think about that, right? You think, I'll put that off tomorrow. We don't want to look at our finances, so we tend to ignore and not take action. Right. Yeah, and part of the reason for this podcast, in fact, is to take action on the things that we might not know about, we might feel embarrassed or ashamed that we don't know about, and then in turn not take any action. But sometimes taking no action is taking action, right? Because <laughs> you're actively... My just said that. He said that just before you called. No action is an action. Yeah. yeah. Because it's a decision. A decision not to take action is a decision. Education is big. Whenever you're going to do something, learn the most about it that you can. What I've found is that in the city of Boston and in greater Boston is that there are so many resources. We live in a very high-priced area, right, like you were just saying. But at the same time, there are so many resources to either educate you or to help to the next step. And it's really just knowing about them. What do you find regarding financial education and homeownership and financial counseling? What are some of the biggest resources that you find the most helpful to your clients? I think one really good resource other than a federal national resource is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It has a lot of education. It has a lot of documents, very simple things. Consumerfinance.gov is where you can find the Consumer Protection Finance Bureau, Part of the Bureau's job is to educate and empower consumers to make better informed financial decisions. So the website is chock full of specific and general information. It's definitely worth checking out. So there are federal laws that govern some of these things. And so I find that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has a lot of information. Here in Massachusetts, our Mass.gov, they have a lot of information also on landlord and tenant issues. They have information on hiring contractors. So Googling a site that's attached to a government agency can provide you with a lot of information, helpful information that will help guide your choices. You can access the state treasurer's office through mass.gov, where you'll find the Office of Economic Empowerment or the state treasury-sponsored site called myfinanciallife.org. I find this site very helpful because it has lots of short videos explaining basic personal finance situations that can be really useful. And help you make better choices and educate yourself. Because, And I think a lot of times people go on hearsay, but now with the internet, no one should be going on hearsay. There are legitimate sources to gain information so that you can improve your finances. Right. And there are also public-private partnerships regarding a lot of these resources. So when you do go on mass.gov, it might point you to a nonprofit that might be helpful for your situation as well. Exactly. So if you need foreclosure prevention or eviction um, support, if you need workforce development, if you need need job training. So there's a lot of things on the state's website that can guide, send you places that are legitimate in helping you. Because there's a lot of agencies that are accessible through these sites. It's like, oh, you can go to 
XYZ agency down the street and they can help you with this. Even the home buyer classes, there are people that found financial education associates on state websites, the state's housing finance agency, masshousing.com, and through Mass Housing Partnership, MHP.net, they found us there. So you have some word of mouth, but you have legitimate sources where people can guide you to people that can can help you. It does take an amount of effort, right? Even if you're by yourself and you're, you know, on your computer and you're Googling these things, it takes some effort to do this because there is a barrier between, you don't think there is, but between you and your keyboard and your computer saying, I don't know, I need help, and where do I go? And to even ask yourself those questions requires a bit of introspection and a bit of self-reflection, really, to say, gosh, I need help. <laughs> that, that, takes, that takes some courage and some effort. And, but what you're saying is once you, you make that effort, you will reap the rewards of that. Exactly. I mean, I do it all the time. And if you're wondering if your city or town has down payment assistance, you can go to the Department of Community Development in your city or town on their website and see what they have available. Because a lot, many times I'll get people that come for one-on-one counseling and they says, well, I'm going to buy a home in Wayman. Is there help for me? And I where the help is all the time. And I said, well, let's Google that. And the cool thing is with Zoom, they're looking at my screen and they're saying that, yes, I can Google it. Here is the answer. There's a link for this. There's, there's an opportunity for you to do some re- research for yourself. So... I search so many things myself if I don't know. Right. Well, that's what a good coach does, right? Is like hold your hand or cheer you on as you're doing these seemingly simple tasks, but that take, again, some effort in doing them. And and it just takes, it takes some action. And having someone help you do that is exactly what a a coach or, or a counselor might be able to do. The favorite thing that I hear from people that I haven't seen in a long time is, yeah, I fixed everything, but then I had some slip up, but I remembered what you taught me. And that to me is what I'm here for. I'm not here to hold your hand forever, but I'm here to teach you a skill set that you can carry forward in case I'm not there. Almost like a money conscience, Jiminy Cricket yeah. on your shoulder. <laughs> it's, real, it's really scary. One guy says, I was in the store and I heard your voice. I was like, whoa, I'm kind of scared of that. (laughs) (laughs) You know you're making an impact. Well, that's great. Okay, well, you know there's some sort of a gaming aspect to this podcast. It is the no shame in this money game. So I've got my little portable spinning wheel here, and I'm going to spin the wheel and get a random question for you, okay? Oh, cool. Okay, here we go. If you could switch your career tomorrow and suddenly be an expert at something else, what would it be and why? I, okay, so you want to know what my favorite second thing is? Yeah. Nutrition and the healing impact of food. I came down with something a few years ago and I could have taken some like ugly medicine. So me and my Google friend, (laughs) we went online. (laughs) It's like, what is that? What, how do you fix that? And my doctor connected me with 
a nutritionist. And she says, well, medications can manage your system, but I can tell you how to get better. And I did what she said, because like if I when I'm coaching people, I want want them to do what I say, too. Right. So, So in that vein, I did what she said and reversed my situation. Oh, wow. And if I ever decide to become something else, I would like to share things like that with people, because. It's like, okay, you don't need the medicine for that. This is what you got to do. Just try for a couple of weeks. Just cut, try, try for a couple of weeks, see what happens. So I would coach people over there about food. You know, and it's very similar too, right? Because it's behavior. It it's a change in behavior. It's a change in action. So it's counseling. It's coaching. It's, it's very similar. And you see results. Exactly. In both situations for me is remembering the pain of both situations when the money was not managed well, when the food choices didn't lead me to a good space. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, let's get back on track because it makes a difference. So that's what I would do instead. That's awesome. And well, and since Rockland Trust is the bank where each relationship matters, I want to ask you if you could use one word to describe your relationship with money, what would it be? I think my relationship with money is pretty healthy because I save some, I spend some, I give some, and I live in a space where I'm content. Nobody's chasing me for money. If I need to help somebody, I can. So I guess that's healthy. I think that's great. It also really makes me want to burst into Make It, Save It, Share It, Spend It, the song I sing at Miss Money. <laughs> you know I'm you know I'm prone to burst into song at any given moment. Exactly. So. <laughs> and no one on a podcast can see the dance, so I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's really not the same without the dancing. But that is really, really great. And what a great space to be in, To Also considering that what your alternate career would be in nutrition, to feel that you have a healthy relationship with money, a healthy relationship with food. And that's that's really the goal. So I am so happy to have you on here and to, to, to discuss all of this and define all of your certifications and, and help us kind of understand all the diverse ways that we can care and tend to our money. So thank you so much, Jackie. Oh, you're welcome, Julie. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for listening to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast brought to you by Rockland Trust, member FDIC. My name is Julie Beckham, and yes, I do take requests. So be sure to email your personal finance questions and curiosities to me, your host and your educator at julie.beckham at rocklandtrust.com. <laughs>